If you have your Bible, please open to the book of Ephesians, Paul's letter to the Ephesians. Um, It'll be Ephesians chapter 1, verses 15 to the end of the chapter. And Gertie's going to come read the scripture for us, and then Jesse will come after him. For this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love towards all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you. What are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power towards us who love, who believe? According to the working of his great might, that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and, and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him as head of over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Morning, church. It's great to get a chance to do this. Um, I pray you never have to do this. This is hard stuff. Um, We love you guys. Um, In some ways, as I'm getting older, 10 years is not a long time. Um, And in many ways, it's a decade. Somebody reminded me about that last night. Some ways it doesn't feel like a long time. In some ways, it feels like forever. When we first came here, Allie was four years old um, and much shorter. (laughs) Owen... Owen was, was little, Ronnie didn't exist. Um, you know, we've, we've been through a lot. Um, you know, when you look at, when you talk to really old people, somebody who's been around for 100 years, and you think, man, they've seen this and this and this and this. Um, even being here 10 years, I feel like I've, you know, seen this and this and this. I feel like there's so much that's happened in these 10 years um, in the history of this church um, that it's exciting. Um, so just a couple things I'm grateful for before we get to Ephesians. Um, I'm grateful for the friendships that we have, and we'll said had, have had, that we have here. Um, you know, we're going to live closer to, to family, but this, this has been our family for the last 10 years. Um, we moved here knowing a couple people, um, connected to a couple people, and, um, you know, we're walking away from here very connected to a lot of people. And I'm um, trying not to look into anybody's eyes right now, okay? I'm looking over your heads. Um, so we are thankful for friendships. Uh, it's, it's very hard to make meaningful friendships, and everybody can't be a super close friend. Um, but God has allowed us to make what I hope are lifelong friendships here. And the impact you guys have had on, on our lives and our kids' lives, um, it's not calculable. Um, I'm thankful for my kids being able to do a large part of their growing up here. Um, 
what they think a church is, is what you guys have shown them that it is. And that's crazy. Um, that you've been, you've, what they take away from what a church should look like is the things that they've seen you guys say and do and value. And um, I hope that we land in a place where they, they see the same things. Um, and I hope they, I hope they hold on to these things. So I'm thankful for the impact you guys have had on my kids. I'm, I'm thankful to have served with um, the team of guys and their wives that are here. Um, I was telling my brother, and I think I told you guys, those of you here, we announced we're leaving. I've, you know, I've seen maybe one time where it got, things got a little testy or a little bit, but I mean, in so many years, just seeing guys work together, serve together, take care of one another, love one another, be kind to one another. Um, I would like to think that's typical, but I know from, from friends who are pastors or friends' dads who are pastors or uh, friends' moms and dads who serve at this church, it's not typical to have a, a large team um, that, that gets along so well. Um, and that's, that's been a gift. I'm also thankful for you guys. And one of my favorite things is to stand at the back door and say good morning. I um, uh, love seeing you guys gather here. God's called us to be here. He called us to be here. And he brings each one of you in every Sunday morning to be here to listen to his word. Um, it's his way of caring for you. Um, and for the, the, in some of your lives, the small parts we've had and others larger parts, it's been exciting to be, to be a part of that. Um, God calls his church to do not a lot of things, but very few things and do them often and well. I mean, to fellowship, to pray, to sing, to listen to teaching, um, to do all the one anothering that happens in all the epistles, um, and a couple other things. Um, but doing those things with you guys has been exciting. Um, Natalie and I have grown so much being here. Um, I was telling Ian last night, we're definitely not the same people we were when we came. And... Um, you guys have shaped us. Usually you think of the shaping coming from the pulpit, and it should. But if it's not happening both ways, there's something wrong. And it has definitely happened both ways for us, and we, we appreciate it. Um, the other thing I think that we'll I'm grateful for and I think we'll take away is just the, the privilege it is to watch multiple churches planted. I, don't, I mean, most people don't have that privilege. Even if you're, in a, if you're in a real large church that plants churches, I don't think you could feel it like we got to feel it. I mean, it hurt, but it was a good, it was good. Um, that's not something that you, you just get everywhere. Now, it's hard, but watching it and being a part of it and praying for it and being involved in it um, was something I'll, I'll never forget. And I hope that, again, we land in a place that, that values church planning at whatever level um, God, God calls them to do that. Um, I've been appreciative of being able to see that here. So we're, I'm thankful for a lot. Um, please don't mistake my quiet, even demeanor right now as I don't care. I'm trying just like, <sighs> to be passionate and very dispassionate at the same time because I will not get through this. So I'm, we're grateful, so thankful, so thankful for you guys. I will try to look into your eyes right now. Um, so thankful for you guys. Uh, many of you and even some of you older folk who have, that's not you, Paul. You're not old yet. Many of you older folk, Walt, um, who have held down this place, Rita, uh, Al, um, just so many of you guys, um, and even you newer guys, newer people. Um, it's just so exciting to be here, such a diverse group of people. That's exciting. So 
what I, what I, when Rob asked me, um, he gave me some ideas of what I might say, steered me away from Luke, um, just said, you know, do, it, do what you think God's leading to do, and I'm very excited to share this with you. I will not set a record for length. This might be my shortest sermon, um, but I, I am excited about this. Um, our, our desire, and I am in no way comparing myself to the Apostle Paul, but we do have the same desire for you guys um, as, as Paul did, and in in Ephesians chapter one, Paul is just blessing God, thanking God, sharing that with the people in Ephesus, and then he prays for them, and, and that's what was read a moment ago, and that's what I want to walk through, and I, I think this expresses my desire, Natalie's desire for you guys, um, and I, I know it's what we want for you. I know it's what the other pastors here want for you. Um, it's what Paul wanted for the people he loved, and it's what we want for you. And Paul, in, in sim, there's some similarities between me and Paul. I can say that, right? Um, Paul had spent years in Ephesus with these people. He loved them. I mean, you think of, when you think of Paul, we think of him as, as a missionary, and he was, that traveled places, and he did. But there's places he landed for a while. I mean, he saw births, deaths, sickness, um, no doubt economic hardships. I mean, he walked through real life with these people. These were not just... Um, converts on his, you know, however they recorded converts back then. These were people he loved. Um, he spent years in them. He'd, he saw church planted, churches planted in that city and in that reason. He knew the in and outs of their lives. He, he had gone from meeting in a synagogue, and then when many of the Jews there didn't respond to Jesus, they started to be kind of anti-Paul and anti-Jesus. He left, and they started meeting in a hall. Um, it's not this, quite the same thing as meeting in Lincoln and coming back here. Um, but we've moved around a bit with you guys. Um, so Paul, what I'm starting to say is Paul did life with these people. He knew them in and out. They weren't just casual acquaintances, and he had them in his heart. Um, he had seen God mature them. Some of them come to Jesus, and a lot of them grow to know Jesus better. He spent years teaching them. He'd been used by God to lead them and to lead them into maturity in a greater and greater and greater understanding of the gospel. Um, and it's evident by the things he prays and the things he hopes and asks God for for them that he has a lot of love and a lot of care for these people. He's invested a lot. He loved these people. He led them well, even though he was presently in jail um, and distant from them. He still had them in his heart. What he wanted for these people is what Natalie and I want for you guys. And um, I want to explain Paul's desires, and it's going to come out like a sermon, all right? But these are my desires for you guys as well. I am, I am absolutely certain that we've not loved you perfectly. All right? we could have, there's ways we could have served harder, prayed harder, loved you more deeply, um, given more. There's, there's so many ways we could have done things better. Right? We're, we're humans. We're sinful. So this, this is a statement of our desire, but more than that, it's, it's a, it's, it really is a restatement of God's desire and God's purpose for you. Because when you think of it, right, Natalie and I are just a very, very, very small part in God's plan. God's plan does not hinge on me and Natalie. <laughs> doesn't hinge on Rob. doesn't hinge on any one of you, any one of us. Um, it hinges on God and his power and on Jesus and on his spirit. So this is a restatement for you guys' benefit and for my heart's benefit of the ways that God is, is, has been caring for you and will be caring for you. Um, I, was, I was reminded, Rob asked me, um, hey, what's some songs we could sing, all right? And he was able to work all of them in. But when I, when, I, when I asked him, hey, can we do these songs, it was because these are like my favorite songs, right? And I, so I gave him the text and the songs on the same day, 
And as I'm, we're sitting here saying, I'm like, man, like, that, they, this meshes so well. The themes of joy and hope and believing and relying. Um, if you think of some of the songs we've sung, and then as I, as I speak and we listen to Paul here, it's just like, it was a, it was a good plan, and I'm not going to claim credit for it. I'll give that to God's Spirit. So in brief, I, I, want, I want these things that Paul's praise for, praise for for you, but what I know is that God wants them for you even more. Jesus wants them for you. His spirit is at work in, them to, work in you to bring them about in you, and um, this, is all, this is all about Jesus. So I want to join together, walking through this text, rejoicing in what God has in, plan, has in store for you guys. And if you're writing down notes, kids, taking notes, here's the big idea, that because of Jesus, there is great joy ahead. And we call this, this looking forward with joy, we call that hope. Joy, hope is joy that is coming, all right? Hope is joy that is coming. There's a, uh, John Piper calls it, he has a book called Faith and Future Grace. So this idea of hope and joy that's coming is what God uses in the present, one of the things God uses in the present to shape us, to kind of knead us and push on us and, and press on us and, and remake us. This, I was trying to think, think well, how can I, what's a, what's a good illustration of this? And this illustration will break down at certain points, but we're about to head out on a long trip, right? A thousand plus miles. Um, there's a point where it's like, will we ever get there? All right, when will this end? And you know, the, the, the question the kids ask, right? Are we almost there? And no, not even yet and not even soon, right? Um, but as you get closer, there's road signs, right? Kansas City, 400 miles. Still not close, but it's coming. It, it gives you that little shot of adrenaline, Right? Kansas City, 300 miles, right? Rest stop, 20 miles. Can you make it? You know, that's like, ah! you know, uh, Kansas City, 100 miles. So all these road signs, right? It's, this is what's coming. This is what's coming. It's getting closer. And these things that Paul's saying, these are like reminders. As you get closer, this is what you need. They give us, these things give us a shot in the arm to remind us that there is great joy ahead. And you're, you're experiencing some of it now but there's much of it you're waiting for. And it's coming, Paul says, it's coming, it's getting closer, it's always getting closer, it's always coming. It's like he, he has these road signs, great joy ahead, 100 miles, great joy ahead, 75 miles. But some of the challenges is you don't know exactly what's coming or how you're gonna experience this joy. I mean, some of it we do, but in between now and when Jesus comes, there's, we don't know whether it's 100 miles, 75 miles, or 25 miles. We do a lot of waiting, and Paul's mindful of that. He goes, while you wait, while you're looking ahead, this is what keeps us going. And Paul says in no uncertain words that it's because of Jesus and Jesus alone that there is great joy ahead. There is great hope to be, be had. So two things. First of all, Paul prays in hope for these believers. He asks God for some very specific things. And then he prays that God would give them hope. So he prays in hope, and then he prays for hope. He says, for this reason, because I've heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love towards all the saints, I don't cease to give thanks for you. I remember you always in my prayers. Paul's had li- Paul had lived with these folks for years. He has watched God be at work in them. He even, and even at a distance now, he got reports that God was doing amazing things there. So he still spent time giving thanks to God for them. And he had seen them go from infancy to maturity. He had watched people added to the church. He had watched God lead them into greater and greater knowledge of himself and of his plans for the church and Jesus. And this wasn't just theoretical knowledge. Paul just wasn't an apostle who happened to be a great teacher who dropped in, taught, and popped back out. I mean, he, he taught it, and then he helped these people live it out. 
So in addition to being thankful, he was grateful to God for that experience that he'd he'd watched them grow. In addition to being thankful, he was hopeful. He remembered them in his prayers. He was asking God, full of hope, because if he didn't have hope that God was going to answer these prayers, why would he ask? He was full of hope that God would continue to work. And then Paul knew God wasn't done in Ephesus. Think of uh, Philippians chapter 1. Paul happens to be a pretty thematic guy, except for some of his books that are really focused on niche themes like Galatians. Even the beginning of Philippians, it's the, it's the similar things. I am confident that God who began this work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. This is Paul's pattern. He prays thanks-filled prayers, hope-filled prayers that look forward, confident hope that God will continue the work he began. This is his pattern, whether it's Philippi or Ephesus. And he prays. What does he pray? He prays in hope that God will do something particular. He says in verse 17 that God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your understanding, of your hearts, enlightened. So what he's praying for is that God would turn on the switch. All right, and sometimes it happens like a click and it turns on. Other times it's like a dimmer, right? Right, it's, it's, it feels like, come on God, just turn it on brighter. I don't understand, I don't know. So you ask God to, tur- God to turn on the lights by his spirit. He asked God's to op- God to open their spiritual eyes and give them a greater knowledge of God. He is hopeful that God will give them more knowledge of Jesus and he will give more of them knowledge of Jesus. He'll bring new people into God's family. Paul prayed in hope, convinced that God had great, great desires for these people and we, we pray the same for you. And every, every desire, every fulfilling of these desires, Paul knew would stem from growth in the knowledge of of Jesus. If you know more about Jesus, you will grow in Jesus, Paul says, um, with God's Spirit's help. I had a, a professor in college who would say, to know God is to love him, to love him is to obey him. Um, and that, that progression has to happen. If, if, you're, if you're obeying God and you don't love him, it's not really obedience. It's, it's, really, it's really slavery, right? And probably you're obeying what you think you need to do to earn his favor. Because if you don't know you're loved by him and if you don't know that you love him, that's a very different relationship than feeling God's love for you and growing in the knowledge of Jesus. Paul describes, I'm gonna read just a couple things from Ephesians 1, 3 to 14. Paul describes God's work in these believers in one central way, that they are in Christ. Every blessing they had from God's hand wasn't because they were good. Ephesians 2 reminds us of that, all right? But every blessing they had from God's hand was through their connection with Christ, this thing Paul calls being in Christ. And this work, this work of God that brought them into connection to Christ and blessed them with every spiritual blessing, that's chapter 1, verse 3, was that fueled Paul with hope. God did all of this for you. Certainly he's not going to drop the ball now. He's running the race. In Paul's mind, you know, he, he's won it, right? Why would he drop the ball and walk away? These fueled Paul with hope. Paul prayed in gratitude, in gratitude for all God had done in and through and for these people in Jesus. He prayed that God would continue to do these things, that he would open their eyes. He was convinced, he was convinced, Paul was, that God had not brought them into connection with Jesus, into God's family, to be abandoned or to do small things. Paul assumed that God wanted to do great things in them and through them. And we, I, I would join Paul, and I want to do so in a moment by praying for you guys to close this sermon, that um, I'm thankful and I'm hopeful. I'm thankful and I'm hopeful. God is going to do amazing things here because of your connection with Jesus. We are hope-filled for you because God has made you his people.
All right, we've seen it here over many years. And we've, we've prayed for it and we want more of it. And because God brought you into connection with Jesus, because you have his spirit, there is great joy ahead. And we just pray that God would give you that great joy and that great hope. So Paul prayed in hope that God would be at work. But he also prayed for hope, that God would give these people hope. He wanted these believers, his friends, to have great hope rooted in Jesus, that God was at work for them and in them. He had great plans for them. So Paul prayed, I'm asking God that you may know, and he prays three things. I just want to read those things to you. I want God to show you, he says, what is the hope to which he had called you. To the hope to which he has called you. Paul wants them to understand that God, it's God who called them, brought them into this confident expectation. When Paul says the term called, right, that's not a throwaway term for Paul. It's not a, come on over real quick, let's Jump into this. Paul, this is a huge, you could write books about this, right? This is a, a really pregnant, heavy-laden heavy term for Paul. When Paul says called, he means God's energies and work to bring you into connection with Jesus, to secure you in connection with Jesus, and to bring you all the way to the end. And he says it like this. In 1 Corinthians 1, he says it like this. Because of God, you are in Christ Jesus. That's Paul's cause for your relationship with Jesus. Because of God, you are in Christ Jesus. In Romans 8, he says it like this. Listen for the word called. It's smack in the middle here. He says, those that he foreknew, he predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. Those he predestined, he also called. Those he called, he justified. Those he justified, he also glorified. So Paul says, when God called you and brought you to himself, it was not by accident. It was by design. It wasn't a second plan because of because of something you did, you earned, it was God's plan all along. So for Paul, these friends of his in Ephesus, and for you guys, you didn't stumble into this hope accidentally. You were brought here. You were called here, Paul says. This wasn't a haphazard, you guessed the right direction, the, the road and the wood, the two paths, and you picked the right one, right? Remember that poem? All right? You didn't just happen to stumble into hope. You didn't wonder, luckily or of your own wisdom down this path. Paul says, God called you to this hope. He brought you to this. This is not your own doing. Again, remember the beginning of Ephesians 2. It's by grace you're saved through faith, and that's not of yourselves. It's a what? A gift of God, not of works so that nobody can boast. And this kind of solid joy, Paul says, this solid hope, it gives us joy no matter what happens around us. Even in the middle of tribulation, we've been through some of that with you guys testing. Paul says, this hope anchors us. Listen to Piper's words here. He says, those who know and trust Jesus Christ, for those who know and trust Jesus Christ, tribulation does not destroy joy. It actually drives the roots of joy down deep into hope. Think about this. So (laughs) moving up, pulling all our stuff down off the wall, right? We anchored a lot of stuff to the wall. A lot. Some of them are like, how did I hook that on again? Like, looking behind it, right? Um, we had a really heavy, it was a, it was a hanging rack, a door, it was a door made into a rack a hang, for coats and stuff, right as you walk in our main door. I had that thing, I think it probably weighed 40 pounds. It was anchored to the wall. I mean, I had multiple anchors. It's called a cleat. That's how it holds it. It was held on there. It was not going anywhere, all right? That anchor was perfectly fine for that wall thing. But, right, if I was going to hang onto that anchor for dear life, I'd be a fool. 
There are other things I would choose, all right? Um, if you're going to anchor a ship in a storm, that would be a poor choice. It might anchor a, anchor a small thing to a wall, but it would be a foolish choice to anchor in a life or death situation. And what Paul says is that if you're going to choose an anchor for life, if you're going to choose something to hold on to, to sink your roots into, this is a good choice. Tribulation does not destroy joy. It drives the roots of joy down deep into hope. And without hope, and the joy that flows from us, flows back to us from hope, we could not endure the tribulations appointed for us. It drives the roots of joy down deep into hope. That's what Jesus does. He's a great anchor. So I want you to know that you are connected to Jesus. The lights were turned on because God called you there. I'm thankful for that. My prayer is that he continues to do that, that he gives you an ever stronger hope, driving that anchor deeper and deeper and deeper into Jesus. So not only the hope that he's called you to, but what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. And it's extensive, guys. What God did to bring you into connection with Jesus was no simple task. Well, for him it was, but it was a hard one, right? There was a lot of effort and a lot of energy and a lot of love that went into what God did for you. Listen, Paul, the text we read, there's a few verses before that, all right? So Paul says, just let some, and and as as I read through these, just listen to these particulars. Let them wash over you, hit you, run you over, whatever analogy you want to use, but these are pretty big deals. This is what God has done if you're one of his people. He has blessed you with every spiritual blessing. That's verse three in chapter one. He set his love on you before the foundation of the world. Before you could do anything good, and when he knew that you'd be bad, he set his love on you before the foundation of the world. He adopted you into his family. Verse five. He showers us with his grace, his undeserved kindness. Verse six. He made us a part of his big, very big plans for his people when he brings all things under Christ in the future. Verse eight, he gave us his spirit as a guarantee that we would receive all the good promises. The gift of his spirit, Paul says here, he says it real well in the end of Galatians three, that this spirit is the guarantee that everything else God promised he would make good on. So you you are, we are rich people, not because we stumbled into hope, or because we figured it out, but because God brought us into connection to Jesus. And I, I pray, as, as Paul prayed, that these, these realities, um, that they would, they, would, they would continue to change you deeply. When we sang, when we sang the, uh, the song, um, is it good that we remind ourselves of this? And the reason it's good, well, first of all, it's, it's biblical, right? Paul rehearses the gospel over and over and over. And these things that Paul's telling these people, it's not like they're like, wow, That's some good stuff. I wish he would have mentioned that when he was with us before. This is what Paul taught them, and he reminded them about it over and over and over again. These are what God gave to you, these things he did for you, and they speak of what he intends to do for you in the future. You're not left to wonder, and these are some of the many reasons, Paul says, that there is great joy ahead. He prayed for hope. He prayed for knowledge of the wealth of your inheritance in Jesus. And finally, he prayed that you would know what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe. Maybe you're thinking, wow, can he really do this? And Paul says, it's the same power of God that raised Jesus from the dead that is working all of these things out for us 
and in us. Hope and the joy that results is not an accident. It's not the result of a series of fortunate events. Hope is the result of great planning by God, worked out by the great power of God. Um, and the good news is he's got a lot of power left. He can, he can finish the job. It's good news that God has directed his great power toward our needy situation. We're all sinners. And if, you, if you're outside of Jesus, if you have not yet gone all in with Jesus and committed to following him, to knowing him, to loving him, to obeying him, the good news is God, God stepped into our very messy situation. We were separated from him because we're lawbreakers. We disobeyed him. It's called sin. We, we deserve to remain in this position forever, outsiders, apart from Jesus. But God, and Paul, Paul says it as he transitions here in Ephesians, he says, but God who is rich in mercy and the great love with he loved us, even when we we're dead in our transgressions and sin, he did what? He provided Jesus for us. He sent Jesus, not a lawbreaker, but a law obeyer. Okay, as Ian and his robber fond of saying to live the life we could not live, to die the death we deserve to die, right? To be raised again to life so that our life, that life could be ours. So if you're still in your sin apart from God, if you're still in your sin outside of God, if you've not yet come to Jesus for rescue, reached out to him for rescue, then I would encourage you, today's a good day to reach out to Jesus because you're hearing his words, you're hearing his call. If you wonder what Jesus wants you to do, you can go read John 6, all right? But I'm telling you what's there, all right? His words are, come to me. All right, and he says, if, if anybody comes to me, all that the Father gives me will come to me. If anybody comes to me, I will not cast them out. I will not send them away. I won't tell them to come back later, come back when you're better, come back when you're a little less needy. I will give him life, Jesus says. I will raise him up on the last day. He's made every provision, has every power to rescue you from sin, to make you right with God, to bring you into God's family, and to gift you with this hope that brings joy now, and forever. So if you are outside of God wondering if this hope is really in your pocket or if it's still on the table, all right, it can be yours, but it only comes through submitting to Jesus. God worked via this great resurrection power in Jesus to bring us to himself, and he still works via this same power until the day that Jesus comes back. We still have a great need for Jesus. A great need for Jesus. We still need his care every day. He's a great shepherd. And as Paul reminds us in this text, Jesus, Paul uses prayer. Jesus uses prayer. We ask him for things, right? And he uses hope. He gives us hope to bring about this great joy and this expectation, even in the darkest situations. I want to read one more quote from Piper that really helped shape my thinking in some of these things. He describes how he describes our walk here on earth while we wait for Jesus. We need great joy. We need great hope. But how do we get it? Well, Paul just told us, all right? Let me read you a quote from Piper that, again, really helped me. He says, And how will you, a sinner, assaulted daily with sexual temptation, covetous desires for things, vain cravings for approvals, pressured from all sides by the world so that the tiny seed of spiritual hunger feels almost dead, how will you awaken and sustain lively, effectual feelings of hope. How will you do that? What will you do to keep Christ himself as your greatest treasure? What will you do 
to make your heart see and savor your heavenly inheritance as more precious than all the pleasures of sin? Answer, he says, you will pray. You will pray Paul's prayer for yourself. You will pray it for your family. You will pray it for your friends. And you will pray it for your church, he says. You will be constant in this prayer. So I I am confident for you guys, I am confident in your behalf that because of Jesus, there is great joy ahead. Because of Jesus, you can have a, a confident hope regardless of what you're going through right now. If God the Father has brought you into connection with Jesus, that you are in a good place. It might be a hard place, it might feel really challenging right now, but you're in a good place. You're in the right place. So I'm praying that God would give you a great knowledge of him, a great and a growing sense of the richness of your position in Jesus. We need that, Paul says. And a great understanding of the power that's at work in you and the, work that's, the power that's at work for you to keep you in Jesus. We love you. We're grateful for you. I promise you we're praying for you. Um, God's got you. He's got us. Um, I was singing the song, All Will Be Well. I'm just thinking it will. We expect a bright tomorrow. All will be well. Um, and there's just, there is, there is no, with the uncertainty we live with every single day in some respects, there is no other reason that you would have any good hopes about tomorrow other than Jesus has this. Like God, God's done the work that you need him to do. He'll get you there. He'll get you all the way to the end. Um, Outside of that hope, it's randomness a chance tomorrow. I mean, good luck. Good luck. But we don't have to worry about that, right? I don't know what will happen tomorrow. I have made some plans. You guys have no doubt all made plans, all right? But none of us knows what will happen tomorrow. But God has this. He has it all figured out. You're not here by chance. We're not leaving by chance. Um, There's nothing that's happening that it's not... It's not all a part of the plan. It's all a part of the plan. And I am, I am grateful to leave you guys here exactly where God wants you, going to exactly where God wants us. Um, that's exciting. It's hard, but I'm filled with hope. So we love you guys, and I would like to pray these things for you right now. God, like Paul, um, I am filled with gratitude for these people. Um, You've done amazing, amazing things in their lives. Um, You have opened eyes. Um, I pray that you are planning on opening more eyes. Um, Because of your work, we've been privilege to watch people come to know you here for the last 10 years. We've seen the light turn on for people, and that's not because of great teaching on the, on the behalf of this pastoral team. It's not because of great serving by anybody sitting in the chairs. It's not, by, it's not by something great we have done. It's been your faithfulness using each and every one of us to care for each other, and you've done a work. And so, God, we, would you continue to turn the light on giving a greater understanding of the knowledge of Jesus, of God the Father, and of your spirit to each one of these people sitting in this room today. 
Would you give each one of these people sitting in this room today a greater sense of just how rich they are in Jesus? They might not have three pennies to rub together, um, but you have given them everything they need, every spiritual blessing, and you are watching out for them, God. I know we've been in some pretty dark places, some pretty challenging places where we needed you to come through, and you did it. You did it, and we've watched you do that for so many people here, whether it's health scares, and not just scares, but health realities, risky things that you have brought people out of. Um, death, death of very meaningful people. Um, financial trouble, financial challenges, parenting challenges. God, these are things where we just very quickly forget how much we have when the thing looming in front of us seems really, really, really big. Um, but you've given us everything we need in Jesus to keep going and to press on, and you haven't just given us a toolbox and left us. You're at work in us, and we thank you for that, God. Thank you so much for that, and thank you that the, the one at work in us is, is at work and has the same power as the power he used to raise Jesus from the dead so that just like Jesus has life in himself and is alive again and you brought us into connection with him, that we have that same life in ourselves. You've gifted us with that and you are working us by that same power to bring about very great things. You're not done in this city. You're not done in this church. You're not done in Wyss or in Frankfurt or in West Philly or South Philly. Um, you're, you're at work. And it is not, this is not our work. We're privileged to be a part of it. That's, it's been amazing. We're privileged to be a part of it, but this is your work, it's your kingdom, uh, it's your name, it's your power, and we certainly have great need for you, God. We, we need your daily provision, we need your forgiveness, we need your rescue, um, and we know that you will give it. We're just waiting to see in what particular ways you will. So we have a lot of hope, God, only because of Jesus. And I ask you these things um, uh, w yet once more, just saying, God, I have hope that you're gonna give these things to these people um, because you've asked us to pray for these things and because of, you've told us to pray for them in Jesus' name. And, and we do just that together. Amen.